Yeah, Sarah says I've been doing a series on uh, the promises of God, and uh, I felt like the focus that I wanted to talk on was about recovering. And if you were here the first week or you're from the second week, uh, I believe God promises a, a stage of recovery for us. He, he promises to save us, but he also promises recovery for us. And I looked at the prodigal son in Luke 15, and it talks about the son when he returned home. The father came to him, he embraced him with his love, with his hug, and he also put clothes on him. So he gave him a robe um, and put the best robe around him because of the community and how he would have been shamed back then. And I believe it's God's heart is not only to rescue us, but to recover us. Do you believe that this morning? He wants to take us through a recovery process, and, you know, mentally and emotionally, but ultimately it's spiritually. It is a spiritual recovery that we have all been exposed to at some point. Do you believe that? Um, if you've lived long enough, you'll know life has affected you and life has damaged you at some point. We've all been exposed to things. And I really believe this recovering or the covering over our lives is so, so important. Not only does God do that, but God does it through various means. So if you've had wonderful parents, you've been blessed with parents that have shown you unconditional love and affection, then that is a wonderful thing. But not everybody has that. Some people have parents that hurt their children. And we all hurt our children at some point, but... We have parents that really damage them and affect them so that they then struggle in life looking for value and worth and trying to find it in other ways. And uh, so parents are a form of that covering over our lives. Employment is a form of that covering. You know, God wants to provide provision, protection over your life and he gives you people that serve over you and who you serve and their job is to ensure that that workplace that you work in is the right environment. Yes? It's a part of covering. Now, how many have worked for people that don't always do that? Yes. And we've all been damaged in some point by somebody who was supposed to supposedly have authority over us and to make sure we're protected and provided for and encouraged. It doesn't always happen. And unfortunately, that's what happens in this world. And we become exposed to things. So I believe God provides covering for us. And he does it through various people. You know, the Bible's big on shepherding, right? God is a shepherd and he uses shepherds all... Flat me umbrella. It's all right, the roof is safe. But God provides covering. Now, it's a little bit like this umbrella, right? If you know it's going to be wet, you generally take an umbrella with you, would you not? Or if you're like me, you just don't take umbrellas and you just get wet anyway, right? Or you wear your coat. Very rarely you find me with an umbrella. But, you know, we've got this guy in our street when he walks the dog. It doesn't matter what kind of weather it is, whether it's sunny, whether it's wet, whether it's a storm, he always takes his umbrella with him. This guy, he's ready in case it rains, right? And I think this is what God gives us. He gives us a covering, But unfortunately, this covering at times gets damaged. It gets a rip in it because what happened either to you by somebody else or what you did to somebody else and then you live with the guilt and the shame and you're not able to function properly because you've damaged your covering. The prodigal son, he damaged his covering. He rebelled against the father and went his own way and his covering became damaged. He was exposed to things. My glasses are moving down my nose, excuse me. He was exposed to things, right, by his own choice. 
He went from under the covering of his father and he was exposed and he was damaged. Right? That was his choice, nobody else. But we have things in life that happen to us that damage us. We lose loved ones, death, trauma, cancer, things that damage us and we become exposed to these things and our covering becomes damaged. And we're all affected by it and we feel vulnerable, we feel hurt or we feel shame. Is this making sense? But God wants to teach us that there's a covering we can get from him. A covering that recovers and renews us so that we can go again. Isn't God good? But I find this, most of us, we put our umbrella away and we only get it out when it starts raining. We're like, where's the umbrella? It's raining, stuff's happening, circumstances are going the wrong way. I didn't expect this. God, where are you? Where are you, God? And then you go fumbling around in the word of God, trying to find out what he says about you and what he says about life. And we're like, where's this? What does, he, what does God say? And we've put our umbrella away. Most of us have got it in the back of the car somewhere. And then we get it out and we're like, it's not usually like this. It's usually the thing's broke. Anybody got one of those umbrellas? You pop it up and one of the things you're like, oh, it's broke. Yeah, we haven't had it out for six months. It's been in the back of your car. You've left it. You've neglected it. You forgot even what it looked. I didn't know I had this umbrella. Yeah, you're 45 and you've still got your Mickey Mouse one. And you're embarrassed. Your kids are embarrassed. What with you? Because you're walking around with a Mickey Mouse umbrella. Well, it's the only one I've got. No, God wants you just to grow up and get his umbrella. It is covering. And repair the things that need to be repaired so that you can understand his protection. We're not just talking about our emotions. Men. We're talking spiritually. This is a spiritual exposure. It's exposure of our spirits that have been damaged and neglected, sometimes because of our choices or because of the things that have happened to us. And then we struggle to function in life. And we wonder why. But God has made a way to come back to him and come under his covering. How good is God? How good is God? So let's go back to the beginning. I put food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some of it and ate. Right? Notice the woman was deceived. She was, she was not open. She was deceived. So she actually thought it was good. Like the prodigal. Where I'm going to live is a good life. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, sleep with who I want. This feels good. Deceived, right? We all get deceived by the eye. That's called lust of the eye, right? The eye can deceive us. It appears to be good. And he says, also desirable for gaining wisdom and took some of it and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So this is what happens here. They have been exposed to something spiritually. They've opened themselves up. They've rejected God's covering and said, I'm going to reject your covering, God, and we're going to go on our own under this other covering. Something is being offered to me over here that appears to be good, and I am going to come under this. Spiritually now, this person is going to be affected. It won't affect me. Yeah, it will. They've been deceived, and they're exposed spiritually to something that they didn't think would. They actually thought they were going to gain something, and they actually lose something. And then what do they do? They sow fig leaves. I find this pretty ingenious, too. 
So have you, anybody ever tried to sew fig leaves? One. Is it easy? It rips. Wow, there you go. So I think, I think Adam and Eve, I think they're pretty clever people, right? They, 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 they sew, I don't know why I'm doing it here, or here. They, they, they sew fig leaves, right? There's a reason for that, why we do that, okay? But we're not going to enter that. But here's the point. The point is, they're pretty clever people. They sew things. They put things over their exposure, right? And most of us, if we're not careful, this is what we do. When things happen to us, we put our own fig leaves over our own problems. Now, I'm going to say this to you. Who would dress in a fig leaf? Have anybody ever tried dressing in? She's going to tell me she's dressed in fig leaves. She has dressed in fig leaves. Maybe one day you just woke up. You know what? I'm going to try this. Yeah? But most of us do this. Listen, fig leaves are prickly. They're not comfortable. They're prickly. So what happens is, when we cover our mess in fig leaves, we think we're doing well, but actually... We can be a bit prickly. Does anybody feel like this? It, we think we're covered and we're all right, but actually we think, like, I don't want to speak to that person again. I'm all right, though, because I'm covered in my fig leaf and nobody knows about the offence or the hurt or the damage that's happened to me. But I'm okay because I'm going over here and I'm still functioning. I don't really want to come to church because I'm a bit uncomfortable now. But I'll come because I don't really want to forgive that person. I don't agree with the pastor. I don't agree with what they're saying. Uh, so I'll just remove myself over here, wearing my fig tree, and I'll, I'll, I'll go to another relationship. I'll, I'll jump this relationship because I didn't like them anyway because it appears good over there anyway. That looks better over there. I'm going to go over there now. And all you do is you move with your fig leaf on. And everybody knows you're wearing a fig leaf. Everyone knows you're wearing the fig leaf. Apart from you. Well, you do know, but you're actually saying, I haven't got a fig leaf on. I'm all right. Are you still with me? God doesn't want us to wear fig leaves. They're prickly. You'll, be on, you'll know you've got a fig leaf on because you'll struggle with someone. Does it, am, am I making sense? So God doesn't want us to put a fig leaf on. He wants us to come out with our exposure so he can close us in something else. You see, what happens here is darkness enters. With God, there is no darkness. There's no dark in God. But what happens is darkness entered. Have you ever been down a street in the day, right? And, and you've walked down the street and you've not even thought about being scared going down that street. Then have you ever walked down it on your own at night? I was all right. Tonight, I'm scared. Why? Darkness. You can walk down the same place in the day or the same alley or the same path. Right, But when there's darkness, you don't want to walk down it. Why? Because there's darkness. There's a lack of light. But when there's light, I'll go down that street. You see what darkness does? Darkness secludes us. It takes us away. It causes us want to run away and hide. It creates fear, guilt, shame. That is not of God. God wants to bring us into the light. And he wants to teach us to walk in the light. So he, Adam gets this fear, this guilt, and they hide. Why? Because God is light. And they're fearful. They've actually changed their perspective of God. They think God is going to punish them. You know, we just sang a song about this, you know, this good God. They've been deceived, and now they think that God isn't good, and all he's going to do is punish them. 
So they run away and hide with their fig leaf on, thinking this God will punish us, we're in trouble. And that's what we do when we get hurt, when the covering gets damaged. We remove ourselves out from the light of God because we don't really understand God and understand what God wants to do. He wants to heal us and he wants to give us grace that we can be renewed and restored so that we can come under his covering and have a new life and be a new creation in him. But we're like, no, I don't want to bring that over there because I'm hurting and it's painful or I feel the guilt and the shame. That's what happened with Adam. But you know, God is good, right? And God always gives us a way. He always creates a way for us to get out of this pain, this suffering, this darkness. Because he is so good. He is so kind. He is so loving that he never gives up on us. So what does he do? When you look in the book of Exodus, you'll find that God rescues them. I said this the other week. He rescues us out. He pulls us out of our, uh, out of, out of our death and out of our lack of hope, and he gives us hope. But then what he does in Leviticus, he teaches us then how to walk in the light. And he knows we're going to have times of darkness, but he gives us a way that we can walk in the light. So this is what he does with He sets up a tabernacle and he sets up up a place where God can dwell. You have the Ark of the Covenant and in there God's presence with over over the Ark in a cloud. And God would dwell there and certain times of the year the priest could come in and speak to God. And God would commune with him and then commune with the people. So he creates this way and then he says this in Leviticus 16. He teaches them what to do. He says this. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement. The word there, atonement, means to cover. So he's to bring in for his own sin, his sin, not the people, for his sin first. He's to acknowledge he's a sinner and for his household. He's to bring in an offering for himself and for his household. Then he is to take two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots. I just find this really unfortunate. He cast lots for the two goats. One lot, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. So one of them gets set free and one of them's going to get chopped up. Hmm. Is that just me? I think that. I think, oh, which one would you want to be? <laughs> it says, Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and to sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement, covering, by sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. So this idea is, this is how God deals with the sin and the brokenness of the people. Their their rebellion and their, their, their sin, the darkness that they're in. They feel the guilt and the shame of the mistakes and they can't deal with it. So God says, I'm creating a way for you. It's this simple. Get a bull, sacrifice it and pay for your sin. You see, the wages of sin is death. So there had to be a sacrifice, a blood offering of an animal to pay for their sin. So he says, bring a bull for you so that you can come in. And then he says, bring two goats. One you're going to sacrifice for the sin of all the people. And the other one you're going to set it free. Leviticus 16 then says this, When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, 
the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. So basically, this is what Aaron does. He brings the ball, he sprinkles it onto the altar, okay, onto the, uh, the atonement, the cover. Then he throws it all over the altar. Then he splats it all up the walls of the tent. And some of you control freaks are thinking, I don't want that happening in my house. But there's blood going all over the walls and all over the house of God. So he's completely washing the room for the forgiveness of sin. So he is forgiven and he's able to come into that place because of this sacrifice. The wages of sin has been paid. Then he gets the two goats. He brings one goat and he sacrifices the one goat for the forgiveness for the people. And then he does this. It says, he is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it. All the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites. All their sins and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. Imagine that was your job. My job today, what's your job? I'm taking the scapegoat out. (laughs) Apparently they'd go about 10 miles out into the wilderness. And apparently they had stations along the way that some people would be to help them be refreshed until they got to the certain distance. Not in the Bible, but apparently that's what they did, they did, is take them that far out. He says, you shall send the goat away into the wilderness, care for someone appointed tasks. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place. And the man shall release it into the wilderness. Wow, how good is God? God is making a way for the sins of the people to be released so that they can come under his full covering, his full presence, his protection, his provision on a daily basis. And he's not neglecting them saying, I know you sinned, I know you're putting fig leaves on. He's saying, but come to me, we'll take the fig leaves off and what we'll do is we'll renew you again. This day was known as the day of atonement. It happened once a year, and what they did is, it was called Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, don't you like that? Yom Kippur. It was Yom Kippur. It was known as the most holy day. The most holy day in Jewish culture was this day. Because on this day, what was happening is, everything was being made right. Everything was right on this day. God, between the God, God and the priest, between God and the people, and everyone was to put everything right and say, man, today we're forgiven. Imagine the weight of that off your life. Imagine that weight, that person who I fell out with over there, that person, that, that relationship that's broke down, today it's right. Today it's renewed. It's a new day in the house of God. It is the day of atonement. It is the day when things are put right. Woo! It was the most holy day in all of the celebrations, the Passover, the lot. This day was holier than ever. Why? Because of the righteousness of God that was being given back to the people. They could rest in God's promises, they could rest in God's presence. This God that we've trusted in. This God that rescued us out of Egypt. This God that gave us food every day. This God that put food on. This God that continually protects and provides us has made a way that we can stay in his protection. It was the most holy day. 
You know, the problem I think I have, and most of us have, is this. Rather than letting the scapegoat go, we follow it out into the wilderness. We don't forgive people. So we put our hands on the scapegoat, and we're like, we'll go with it. And where do we end up? In a wilderness. You're supposed to forgive people like I have forgiven you, Paul. Forgive. Let it go. Don't hold on to your offense or your hurt. The scapegoat's taking you out into the wilderness. Yeah, but they did this to me and I'm the scapegoat. I'm the one who's hurting. I've done nothing wrong. The scapegoat did nothing. I've done nothing. You don't understand, God. Yes, I do, Paul. Forgive them like I have forgiven you. Otherwise, you're wandering a wilderness all the days of your life and not living my promises that I have for you. Let go of it and release people from your life. Release. What does this do, right? The wages of sin is death. This is what happens when somebody hurts us. We say, you owe me something. That's sin. You owe me something. I gave you. I worked for you. I worked for you, boss, and you let me down. You owe me. Mum and dad let me down. Abandoned me. Sin affects us and says, you owe me, mum and dad. You owe me, brother and sister. You owe me, boss. That's sin. That's the wages of sin. Then along comes Jesus. Woo! The day of atonement. The day of a scapegoat. God himself being punished for nothing he's done. For all of our sins. All of our sins. Once and for all sins. One offering. Not a goat. Not a bull. Not even a lamb. You know, a lamb rescued the Israelites. Just a lamb in a field. Go and ask a farmer how much a lamb's worth. John, any idea? 60. 160 pounds. There you go. Cost of a lamb saved them from death. Just think about that. A lamb in a field, they cut it, put it over the doors, so the angel of death came and he rescued them. 160 quid? I want one. How much more? How much more? How mu- I'm asking the question, how much more has he paid for our covering? How much more does the blood of Jesus cover your life? What's the cost of it? 160 quid. 160 quid. No, 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 no. You multiply that and multiply it. How much God would pay for your covering? How much God would pay so that death would fly over you and you would be raised from the dead? And we're not just talking rescue now. We're not just talking the blood rescuing us. We're talking about the blood renewing us. How much more can he renew you? If you will release, if you will let go, if you will come to him with your fig leaf and say, I've been playing fig leaf Christianity for too long now. I want to take it off and be me. This is me, God. We sang a song this morning. We can come to him with all our faults and failures. Don't let the devil trick you in hiding over there in darkness and and talking to yourself and beating yourself up. Come to him. Bring it into the light. Be honest with him. Confess it and release people out of your life. I'll, I'll guarantee if you start this process, if you start to forgive people, 
And I'll tell you if you'll know you've forgiven people because you won't want something back off them. This church owes me. That, that pastor, he doesn't do this. Doesn't want, do, he doesn't do what I want. Don't do that. You'll pull yourself on from undercovering. You'll put a fig leaf on your own walk and you'll become prickly and not engage with the church because I want to encourage you this morning, forgive people. Because they'll make mistakes, I'll guarantee it. Forgive leaders, forgive shepherds that have been over your life. Forgive your parents, forgive your boss, forgive those who've hurt you. Why? Because you release them. And in releasing them, you release you. Wow, I'm free. I'm free from the hurt, I'm free from the pain. I'm no longer a scapegoat, I'm no longer a victim walking around in a wilderness. But I am now in the presence of God and the promises of God because God, what God has done for me. And I am walking in obedience to him now. Not what I want, but what he wants. And as I surrender to him and submit to him, the presence of God will come into your life. I'm telling you. But if you have a fig leaf living mentality, you'll always feel that you're not good enough. Take your fig leaf off. It doesn't look good anyway. Everybody knows you're walking around, you're struggling, you're prickly. You're Come on, we love you, but we want to help you get the prickly fig leaf off. Because there's so much more in there. I think I'm going back on track. So enter Jesus. Woo! The day of atonement. The most holy day. You know, when the father, we, we see the father with the prodigal and he comes home, he says, put these things on him, embrace him. What's he doing? Go get that fatted calf. It is the day of atonement where everything's been made right. And the other son, he's moaning because they were celebrating, they were using the fatted calf. And that's another story. But the point is this, the father's heart is to celebrate. Jesus enters, it says, Jesus entered the most holy place. He did not have to offer sins for himself because he was with no sin. He could enter into the holy place because there was no sin in Jesus. He didn't even have to go there, but why does he go? To offer the offering for our sins. So that we don't have to be bound anymore by guilt and shame or fear, but we can come to a God of a spirit of love, an unconditional love that will accept us and value us and then release us into the world to be a light for others so that we can shine like he has shined in our lives. He's the light of the world. He's not of darkness. Darkness is not of him. Darkness is of the enemy. But God offers light. I want to say this. Renewal leads to recovery. You see, Jesus isn't just covering our sins, church. I've spoken on covering for three weeks. But I'm going to share something else. He doesn't cover our sins. He removes them. What? The old system was cover over, patch up, put it over the top. Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm coping mechanisms. Jesus says, no, I'm not coming to patch up. I'm coming to renew. Coming to wipe them away once and for all. Your sins are gone. They're gone. Come on, gone. Who's lying to you? Who's lying to you this morning? You're not good enough. Lies, lies. Don't put that patch on. It's not of God. Come into the light and say, God, I'm sorry for I think like this. 
I'm sorry that I've believed the lies of whatever has been over my life. Now I'm coming into you and I trust in you. And this is what will happen if you do this on a daily basis. You will be able to kick some things out of your life. You will. You'll say guilt. You don't belong here anymore. I'm waiting for guilt. Go. No, you kick it out. You put it on that scapegoat and tell it, get out. What did Jesus pay for? Jesus, you've paid for this. I'm not wandering around with this any longer. Thank you, Jesus. Because what happened here is this. Jesus exchanged something. There was a a royal exchange. A mighty exchange on this day of atonement. Where Jesus came into that. And the sins of the world was put upon him who knew no sin. And all of our sins was taken off us. And the righteousness of God was put upon us. Wow. So you can stand here and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. Do you believe that this morning? See, we're confessing negative things, but what about confessing positive things? I am forgiven. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. I am the right. Say, come on. I am the righteousness of God, not in me, in Christ Jesus. Fig leaves, it's time to go now. I can stand before my maker and I can stand with him. No more patching up. No more covering up. No more hiding in a wilderness or running away. It's time to grow up into who God has made you to be, church. See, three things I believe God does. He brings forgiveness to release us from the wages of sin. Second thing, he teaches us integrity. He wants to teach us integrity. What does that mean? Integrity means doing the right thing, especially when no one's looking. In your heart... In your mind, the way you live your life. Yeah, but they... No, no, no. When no one's looking, because God's looking. Integrity. Walking in the light. Doing what's right. God wants us to walk in these ways. And when we get it wrong, where do we run? We run back to God and we confess our sins. We say, God, I thank you that I am forgiven though. And I'm released from the, from the shame. If you've done something wrong to someone, you say sorry to them and you, you put it right. And you walk in the righteousness and you walk in the integrity. That doesn't mean everybody's going to be right with you, but you can put yourself right with everybody else. It's our reaction to what happens to us that matters. So he brings forgiveness, he teaches integrity, and then he teaches us, and this is the hardest lesson, is to trust in him. To trust in him. I'm trusting him for my forgiveness. I'm trusting him for my resurrection. I'm trusting him that even though I don't see him or experience him, that God is providing me. I'm trusting for him that he's protecting me. I'm trusting him in his word. I'm trusting him in his promises. This is faith. It's not, it's not circumstances that we're trusted in. Because they change. And if you're not careful, they'll damage you. It's not circumstances you're trusting in. You're trusting in God himself. Well, I don't understand the circumstances, but I'm going to trust in God. Let's look at what Adam does. Let's go back to Adam, Genesis 3. You still with me? Adam in Genesis 3. Verse 20 says, Adam named his wife Eve. So this is after Adam has sinned, and, and Adam and Eve basically are in the fall and cursed for what they've done. They've separated themselves from the covering of God and they're now in the, in the kingdom of darkness which has entered in. Their spirit has been exposed and affected by them. This is a spiritual thing, by the way. Not just a mental and emotional thing. This is a spirit thing that needs to be happened that only God can do, not us. 
So he says, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. See, the heart of God is to clothe us, to cover us. God sacrifices an animal here for the wages of their sin and he covers them with that to protect their vulnerability, their exposure. But just notice what Adam does here. You know, he's probably a bit cheesed off because what he's done and what his wife has done. Bit of a breakdown in relationship, right? Bad bad day. Have you had a bad day at the office with people? Was it just me? Anybody falling out with people in here? Was it just me who falls out with everyone? Oh, thank you. This is, a bad, this, is a, this is a bad day, right? This is relationship, dysfunction, breakdown, lack of trust in goodness. This is not good. Yet Adam says this, and there's a lot of things he could have named his wife, by the way. And if it was the other way around, there's a lot of things Eve could have named them, the, yeah? But what does he do? I'll call it Eve. Not her, not it. I'll call it Eve. Living. Life. Could have cursed, could have said negative things, could have... But no, he said living. Why did he say living? This is what I believe. God said in Genesis 1, verse 28, it's not on the screen, he says this. Blessed. Adam and Eve, blessed are you. Be fruitful and multiply. He's gone back to the word of God. He's gone back to what God says, not what he feels or what. He's gone back to God. If God says he promises life, he promises life. So rather than me curse my wife, I'm going to say that she is life. You see what I'm saying? And we all have a choice. What do we go back to? Do we believe the word of God? Do we believe in Jesus? Do we believe that Jesus has forgiven us for all of our sins? Do we believe that he's recovering us? Do we believe his promises? Or do we believe ourselves? Or do we go back to the word of God, Jesus himself? God's blessed me. Wow. I'm going to speak life. Yeah, I know my covering's damaged and it's hurting. But God says, I want you to come to me and recover. This is a spiritual thing, by the way. This is not just an emotional thing. You can recover mentally, emotionally. That comes with it. But this is a spiritual thing. Your spirit needs to be made right with God. Your spirit needs to be alive in God. And only God can do that when we go to the word of God that's Jesus. He actually says she's the... It's kind of interpreted that Eve is the source of all life. But let's argue that it's God with the source of all life. Amen? It's God's word. God's promises over our lives. You see, Adam chooses to believe God, I believe. And then what does he do? He covers him. It's God's heart to recover and to cover us when we trust in the word of God. When we go back to God every time, even though we're hurting, God covers us. He comforts us. He changes us. He transforms us as his warmth of his presence comes into our lives. To get his presence, the only way is to get his spirit. We trust in the word of God. And Jesus said, I will send you the promise. I will send you the spirit. And it's the spirit that brings God's presence, warmth, love. Like the prodigal, it was his presence that embraced him. 
He didn't send somebody else to put the robe on. It was his presence that came into his life and warmth. that The touch, the intimacy of the father reveals the love for his son. Are you still with me? I want to say to you, whatever you're going through, if you're hurting, if you're suffering, whatever trauma, whatever you're going through, I want to encourage you to put your trust in God. Put your trust in the love of God and go on a process of recovery with him. Because I'll guarantee if you do, he'll help you to recover. Yes, some things you may not recover because they're lost, but he'll help you to grieve in that process and recover you in the process. I want to encourage you to believe again if you've felt, you know, you've been let down maybe by church or you've been let down by a shepherd or someone who's hurt you and disappointed you and you're walking around but it keeps raining. I want to encourage you to do this. Go back to God and let's renew that covering. Let's repair that, that damage that's been caused to your spirit and let God renew you from the inside out. Jesus doesn't want just patch you up. He wants to renew you from the inside out. So you can say, I'm brand new. (laughs) I'm brand new today because what God has done. Amen. Right, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask if the band want to come up. I did worry this morning because I came down for these. I knew they were here and I went to get this umbrella and they weren't in the usual place. I thought, oh no, I haven't got an umbrella. I'm going to have to send someone to the shop. I'll go to the shop. And they've just been moved around the corner. (laughs) Thanks Jesus that he was here this morning. Right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to, I've written a prayer, and I want us to pray this prayer. And I want you to do this with faith. You know, and you can take this away and pray in your own time. And when you're going through things, maybe, and you're suffering, and you're thinking, why is this happening? You can pray this prayer again, I believe, or pray a prayer, um, and I believe it will help you and release you. So this is the prayer we're going to pray. It should be online, and we're going to pray this together. I'll read it, and then we'll read it all together. God, I recognize that I have been affected by life, either through my doing or because of others. I choose to forgive myself and others and remove the fig leaves of my past. Help me to acknowledge and work through my emotions and hurt. God, I ask for you to reinstate your covering over my life. Holy Spirit, and this is the key, Holy Spirit, clothe me with the Father's presence today and teach me to walk in your light. Do you agree on that? I want you to do this by faith this morning. And I want, come on, let's stand, church, and then we're going to sing about a good, good father this morning. I want to encourage you to enter into his presence, not because what you've done, because what he has done. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you, to heal you. I really got a sense this morning God's going to heal some people. This is a spiritual thing, but it'll also be an emotional thing, a psychological thing, where things have happened to you. God wants to release you from some things. You're no longer a scapegoat, you're not a victim. You've been a victim and God recognizes that. But he wants to release you so you become victorious, not just a victim. So are we ready, church? We're going to pray this. You can pray it online as we're reading this together. So together, God, I recognize that I have been affected by life either through my doing or because of others. I choose to forgive myself and others and remove the fig leaves of my past. Help me to acknowledge and work through my emotions and hurt. God, I ask for you to reinstate your covering over my life. Holy Spirit, clothe me with the Father's presence today and teach me to walk in your life. Come on, let's give God a round of applause.
Jesus, there's no one like you. We love you, Jesus. God, we thank you for sending your son. God, there's no one like you. We love you. We make a decision to trust in you today. God, and there's people in here who've maybe been renewed and recovered already. I pray that they would go forth and help others in their community, in their family, and be a healthy covering over people's lives to renew hope for people. A process of restoration and healing as they demonstrate a good covering, a good father, a good mother in the name of Jesus. You know, and good fathers and good mothers don't always get it right, but what they do do, they go back to the word of God and say, I'm sorry. That's what they do. We're not perfect.